1: Quarterback Jeopardy. Man, we like went through that in an hour. I know. I think we set a record today. that. Damn, right. Hold your applause, please, okay? Good managing here. Presented Josh by out. Verizon. Oh, yeah, we're back. That's right. And we're still presented by Verizon. They haven't ditched me yet, <laughs> amazingly. Chris Sims up, button. Paul Burmeister here. What's up, man? How good you doing? Good to see you. Looking sharp today again, as always. Trying. You're the coolest
2: 49 year old I know, <laughs> all right? Bomber jacket, cool white tee, got the haircut today. The, the haircut was a necessity. Looking good. They kind of looked at me sideways when I came there, like, yeah, it's about time you, you came in. And this is a stretch <laughs> today because it is winter. It's cold as tell out outside. not have, like a real jacket on. Right, yeah. I don't have any jacket at all, though. I oh, mean, really?
1: Well, I mean, we park like 100 yards from the door. So you park in the visitors, which is 100 park. yards I, do. I park like
2: 300 <laughs> yards away. All right.
1: <laughs> You're right. When it's 530 in the morning, no one asks, or 630 in the morning, no when one asks dark, questions. When it's give you a break.
2: Right. Thank hey, you. Before we talk football, yeah. I don't want to bury the lead here. What? In the, from a news standpoint, you had a front row seat last night to something that was really cool. Steve Kornacki was in doing the playoff probabilities and completely nailed it. it was, How I mean, cool was it from, from like right there?
1: Oh, it was really cool. I was very excited just to meet him. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, of course, the last two years with all the political stuff and everything like that. You know, he's got such a great role for NBC, and uh, to just watch him in action. Yeah. And
2: Was just, he practicing a lot? Or? He
1: practiced a little, yeah. but, like, the dude is a lot smarter than any of us in that football studio, except for maybe Mike Tirico. Okay, maybe they, they can yeah, match with. Their yeah. brains are working in a different level right. than ours. And just the way he processed things and went about when they gave him direction, hey, say this, or we're going to throw this graphic up, it was like he needed
2: nothing. Oh, yeah. okay,
1: yeah, no problem. And he just smart as hell. But that was really cool to see him in action. The,
2: the, the coolest part, and what makes him so good on MSNBC, is yeah. that he has such a command of things like none of us do. Like, we're all interested in politics, but – who knows about the counties in Florida or Ohio or in Nevada? And he actually does. So it's that command that makes him special there. Yes. And he had the same kind of command over the teams, their records, the probability they're going to get in or not get in. I was, I, I was shocked. He was at, studying was. his
1: computer all day. He hung out with us in the viewing room. So Watched he was the sitting there watching the games, and he was on his computer looking. But he's a real football fan. I could Must tell that be, yeah, for sure. Like, tell. it's not a fake, like, hey, I'll just come on and do the show and throw out some numbers. You could right. tell he really pays attention to the sport and likes it. And, yeah, it just was uh, – for him to get up there – you know, it just made me realize, like, man, the guy's brain and mouth—the way it can filter things and spit it out on the right? fly and all that—was it was seamless. So it was really uh, pretty cool to see. I appreciate you playing along
2: with me because I it was no, I'm no, a little it bit was, fanboy. About I'm glad that. you went there. I was really great. am. I, I almost I prob- wish I would have come in last night just to—I mean—to see you as well. Well, and then his outfit—the fact that he wore his outfit
1: on the show too—you <laughs> know, his khakis with thing. his his like. You know, I don't know what you even call it. It's like a college frat boy, almost tie yeah. he wears with the sneakers and things. Did you ask thing.
2: him if, if, if he changed in the you know, that week in November where he was on the entire time? Did he go home and change?
1: Oh No, I said, well, I actually at one point made a joke and was like, are you good? Everything good? Because the election results is yeah. still not over. <laughs> You're still working? And he was like, oh, God. Depends gosh. on who uh, you talk to. Yeah, right. Yeah. But uh, either way, it was it was really cool experience to see him. And I think he's going to be involved here as we go forward. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's good.
2: Cool. All right, you football. ready to talk some football? I am ready to talk some football. You all right. going to give it a little tease, a little preview of what we're doing?
1: Yeah, we're going to hit Jalen Hurts, right? Watched him. Too, watched yeah. Carson Wentz, too. So, I didn't watch the Philadelphia defense, first Aaron Rodgers and all that. Cleveland, Tennessee, watch both sides of the ball. We'll be able to break that down, have some good conversations. Good, good. Um, the Giants defense and what they did to the Seahawks. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the shocker of the day. Yeah. And as usual – we're going to hit every game in, in in the league yesterday. We're going to hit it all. And I got a little tidbit of everything, and I've been driving myself crazy watching football and film <laughs> and highlights and everything, trying to catch up the speed here and, and have something to, to offer the, the folks here.
2: Well, I always look forward to coming in, but yeah. it, it's especially fun when I when I get a copy of the rundown of the plan and I see that we are – hitting the most relevant, most significant wins. And I think that the two you just talked about, the Giants win yeah. and also the Browns win, those are the two most meaningful wins, most significant at this time of year. Deep dive on both. Let's start with the Seahawks and really the Giants shutting them down. The Giants defense been playing very well. They've won four games in a row on top of their division. But they gave Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense their worst offensive production of yeah, the season. It's right. been declining recently, right. but that was their worst day. How they do it?
1: Giants D is real; it really is. You know, there was questions about the secondary early on in the year, but th- this is what great coaching is. You know, this this Patrick Graham, who I worked with in New England. You know, I- I'm watching his defense with the Giants, and it looks a lot like the Dolphins and Brian Flores and the Patriots, and it's creative and they think outside the box. And yet, within doing all that, it's always sound. Right? Mm-hmm. They don't do stuff, and we go, "Oh, that's creative," but. Whoa, if someone just threw the ball over here, you'd let up an 80-yard touchdown, right? That's part of being a good coach. So, that's been so impressive. But I think the big thing of the football game, more than anything, and I know we've had this conversation, is holy size. This is where I say, because I talk about the New York Giants. I mean, the G-men. Their defensive line is where I would start to just say, this is why they won the football game. Their defensive line, not sexy, but... When you talk about the players they have on the football field and their starters, when they go Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence at defensive at end, and then you got Hill and Tomlinson inside. You know, at some points they have 4D linemen on the field and it's close to 1,300 pounds wow. of size, right? And so two first-round talents. Two like first-round talents, right. Yep. And they're, they're playmakers. So I think that's where it starts because the Giants are allowed to, because of that, play coverage. They don't – they very rarely go, hey, let's bring the extra guy in the box to stop the run and do that. They just go, no, we're really big up front. Mm -hmm. We're not worried if the numbers are the same or even if you outnumber us. We're not going to let DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett fly down the field on us and do all those things. So that was the great advantage they had in the matchup to begin with.
2: And, of course, it – you know, bared true that they took advantage of that. Number of things I want to get to with that defense. and I like that you point out it starts with the size up front. It does. So I'll keep it right there with my first question. Yep. They were making Russell Wilson look confused by bringing four people more, more than I've ever seen. It's usually all they're bringing six or seven. I'm in trouble. Yeah. There was no way to know how many they were bringing at the snap because they were walking around. Is he coming? Is he not coming? And they rarely brought more than four, maybe five. But he was confused anyway.
1: How, how much have we been having this conversation about good defenses lately? Right? A couple of years. I mean, yeah. And especially this year, I feel like it's a lot. Like, where we talk about quarterbacks, offensive linemen, getting confused by four-man rushes uh, because, you know, there's a lot of bells and whistles over here. And then they drop out. And this comes. And, it, hey, you're not sure what you're seeing. Wait, am I protected? And a lot of the times, even though you're not outnumbered with, like, these blitzes you're talking about – It doesn't matter because the threat of the blitz one side got the offensive line to commit, and now just because it's a four-man rush, they're too far out of position to maybe get that one guy they weren't expecting
2: to come. And they got Russell Wilson to take his drops, and it's impossible to read his mind, of course, but it looked like he was dropping, feeling like he was going to be outnumbered. Yes, I
1: think there was a lot of that.
2: Offensive line, there's no way they can know what's going on here, and by the time he got back, and they're only bringing four, Everything was out of uh,
1: sight. And I think that's the purpose of it, too. That's the other genius of that blitz. You're right, because your quarterback, he loses his eyes of what he really is trained to look at and things because he's just not quite sure. Wait, Mm -hmm. I know they brought four before, but one of them got free, and I got to look. So there is a number that's a good job by you of look at the first guy. Oh, he wasn't open. Let me look at the rush to make sure I'm okay, and then try to figure out what's going on down the field. So, MP, what did you say? The Giants were the – Right, and and from 24% blitz, and 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 I think that the, the you know, few times of all-out blitz. Not but, much. But not much. Yeah. But, you know, just in the right situations. But the, the big thing, too, more than anything, is, again, Patrick Graham and the mixing of coverages. And the fact that the defensive line is so big, they got to play two safeties back so much of the football game. Yes. And yeah. to me, that is where – where Seattle dropped the ball. I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Seattle was not patient enough running the football. Yeah. That would be the – if you gave me one takeaway, what did Seattle do wrong? I would go, they got too pass happy. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't, you know, but when you play that kind of coach who's that creative and can give you different looks and I don't know what coverage this is and the disguises and the, and the fake blitzes, zone blitzes, all of that, uh, if you're not willing to run the football – He's going to continue to do that, and there's just too many plays to me that were wasted where I go, yeah, they're running this pass play, but they're not going to get open versus this coverage and this pass route. They're they've just hoping they're getting the right coverage or the right look, right. and that's not going to get it done in, in a, in a big-time football game.
2: I like that you pointed out that they were playing too deep a lot, and normally you hear too deep. It's too deep zone. Right. Normally, if a team is playing man, it's either cover zero or more often cover one with one free safety back there. Yeah. They were playing what we used to call 20 man, where you rush four, the two safeties are playing zone, but everybody in between is playing man. Yes. Always found it to be one of the most difficult coverage to find something that's open. You don't see it that much in the NFL. Right. I, I thought I saw it quite a bit. I think you did see it quite a bit. It was definitely a good mixture of it because they
1: were playing a lot of Tampa too. They're playing a lot of quarter quarter half as well which are zone defense which is our all zone defenses you're right so but within doing that what you're doing too is okay I've seen Tampa too I've seen quarter quarter half all right they're playing a lot of two shell zone coverages and then we get into some big third downs and I think Dar- uh, not Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer and Russell, are thinking, they'll play some sort of two zone again. Mm-hmm. And they call a play for that and then say, set hut. And then to your point, oh, no, it's two man. Right. Everybody's locked up. We've called the play for zone. And now these corners can be aggressive because the safeties are over the top playing zone, like you yeah. said. And they can really clamp down on some of the shorter intermediate routes because they know they have help over the top of them. That was a big part of the football game. The mixture of coverages again you know, I think is crucial against any good offense. And I think between that and the fact that Seattle wasn't willing to run to calm it down a little bit, mm-hmm. because that's how you calm it down. Oh, oh, you want to keep going to two safety looks. Oh, you're showing 3D. deep. Oh, two safety look, two safety. Let's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Then – Okay, now you're going to start to get the looks where they're going to be, man, we're getting beat by the run. we got to get up there and get in our spots and get in close to our gap so we can start to stop it. And you'll start to get vanilla coverages and things like that. I think that is one big thing that Seattle dropped the ball on. The other thing, Paul, if you go back and watch again, can Seattle do a dummy snap count? Can they fake motion? Can they shift? Can they give Russell Wilson and Brian Schottenheimer a clue to go, Hey, they're on this they're playing this coverage. Hey, check check, check, let's do this. It's one of my issues with Seattle. They waste too many plays. They just call in the huddle and they go, we're pretty good at executing it. Let's just do it. But there's going to be certain defenses every now and then that I don't care how good you are at executing a certain pass play. It, it, they're going to be covered against certain coverages right. and all
2: that. And that to me is one of the flaws of their offense in general. Pete just uh, whispered in my ear, which yeah. is kind of a funny thing to say, but uh, he said that the Giants played that cover two man that we talked about more than anybody else. Was it in this game they played more than anybody else had this season?
1: Yeah, I would say this the whole season. The season. Yeah, yeah. Because this else. is this is. We haven't talked a lot of Giants football. Mm-hmm. I think Pete can tell you that is the one thing I've liked about their D all year is the fact that they can play coverage because of the big front. So yeah. they've always been doing these type of things. They've gotten better at it. You know, I think between signing Logan Thomas and finding a few niches for the rest of their guys as far as hey, you play here and all that, it's just they've gotten better and better at it and they're right. better at the disguises and everything that goes along with it. Getting
2: a lot better, I think leading the way, especially without Daniel Jones yesterday. Colt McCoy did a nice job and mm-hmm. not making mistakes, managing, made some good throws. We'll talk about that here yeah. in a moment. But yeah. you've identified some of the stars with this defense. It's right. getting more and more a uh, lot more and more recognition. Patrick Graham, the D coordinator. Yeah. On the field, you like best the D-line. Yeah. So, with the linebackers and the defensive backs, what are the names that we should know kind of behind all this winning? Sure. I think so. Blake Martinez is a guy that probably doesn't get enough credit. He's the perfect linebacker
1: behind those big four because he's a a go-getter. He's just got a nose for the football. So, he's great that way. He's not necessarily a guy you want to take on lead blockers or take a pulling guard on. But as far as it just comes down to go hunt the ball down and make a tackle, he's amazing at that. Second league in tackles. Right. So when you have a big front like that in front of you, he very rarely has people get up on him and do that. So that allows him just to fly around. He's one name you got to know. James Bradbury. You know, hey, as much as Dave Gettleman has been bagged on and trashed over the last few years, we're starting to see there's a few things he's done here that are pretty damn good. And James Bradbury signing him all that money, he can lock down guys like D.K., not every play, but, hey, we're going to gamble on this play, play some man. But he's really good at zone. He tackles. There's really not a weakness to his game, even mm-hmm. though I wouldn't say he's a superstar, superstar corner. And then guys like Jabril Peppers, third safety, right? He's around the ball a lot. Really good at blitzing. Great blitzer. Yeah. Always been a great blitzer, even back from his days at Michigan. And he was one of those guys a lot where it was, he was the fourth rusher. Yeah. Oh, this guy dropped yes, he out, yeah. and now he's flying yeah. in and around Russell Wilson. So – you know, I think those are the names you should probably get to know more than anything. Um, those are the ones at least that jump out to me, but really a well-rounded unit altogether.
2: I want to read you a, a quote from Leonard Williams after the game. He said, we, we created a spider web in the pocket around Russell Wilson. There it is. Well, now. It looked like they were spying somebody on him as well. Definitely. the linebacker position. Without a
1: doubt. When you saw three-man rushes, there was almost always spies. You know, there was a third down in the red zone at one time. It was three man rush, spy Russell Wilson, double DK Metcalf, double Tyler Lockett. You know, these are game plan specific defensive calls. This is why they're dangerous. Um, but um, what was your question there? What the
2: hell did you ask me there? You know, it actually, uh, I, I would get an F in journalism. Yeah. I didn't actually ask a question. Yeah, I just, what, what, I just brought up a point. What about, was your point? Say about how they created that spider web yeah. around him oh, in the pocket. And,
1: and again, a New England disciple. Right, mm-hmm. it, it, They know how to play these type of quarterbacks. He was in New England when they played Russell Wilson before. So it, it's not about – they don't care about we need great pass rushers flying around the edge. Right. They played the old, hey, just push the pocket and let's not creating any lane so he can run up and then get a 20-yard run up the middle. Right. And if he does break outside – we're not overcommitted inside or anything like that, and then we can be there to go. Maybe you don't get the sack, but you have to. You make right. them make a quick decision it's to throw the, the ball. The same way
2: you described the defense against Kyler Murray last week.
1: It's the same damn thing, yeah. right? This is this is you know this is New England stuff. This is why we've seen the Dolphins contain Kyler Murray, and right. you know now you're seeing this with uh, Russell Wilson. I
2: mean, it, it's the same type of stuff. It's really well taught. I'm, I'm going to make up for my my last lack of question with, that, with it was two fine. questions. Within the same point here. So, so, here's the point. Five sacks on Russell Wilson. Yep. Just under five seconds for those five sacks yeah. of, of an average, which is incredible. You're usually seen a second, two or three seconds. So, he's back there for about five seconds, getting sacked five times. Did he have nowhere to go, or could he just not find anybody? No. More times than not, he had nowhere to go. So I, it, it was there, that cover two man coming through.
1: Cover two, wrong play versus the wrong coverage, and – he just, yes, the route combinations were not proper to what you would want to run versus some of these coverages. And um, some of the disguises were really great, too. You know, the one thing, I'll too, too that jumps out to me, and Pete, I know I asked you this, but I'd, I'd want to know this for the whole season if you could possibly look it up just before we end the Seahawks conversation. The other one thing that just jumps out to me, and I, and I don't even know if this holds true, but with Russell Wilson, too, I feel like there's a reluctance to throw the ball down the middle of the field at times where I want to go, you know, that's usually when I come off a game film and go, oh, he might have had that guy. Like, is it may- recent or is it all No, season? this has always been a little thing okay. for him. Always. I
2: a question from social yeah. from Wexie Keith. Right. Since Wilson had those games where he was a bit careless with the ball, is he now being too careful? I think he's, I think he's a little careful to not throw the ball into real tight windows. I do. You know, I
1: I think he's very aware of that. But I can't say that I sat there again and watched that film and just sat there and went, oh, Russell played bad. Man, he missed people all over the field. No, it wasn't his best day. He missed a few throws that I was like, Russell Wilson usually hits it. Mm -hmm. But I think it all went into flustered, nobody open, am I protected, whoa, they're all over our stuff, whoa, we can't get any run game, we have no play action pass. Uh, and I, it just kind of all funneled out of control. And really, they were they were unable to really do anything. Their big opportunities, three nothing, kind of moving the ball. He fumbles the snap. That was a big moment in the game. You know, this was a game that was going to be hard fought, tough football mm-hmm. game, and every point mattered. And especially if they could get get up on them early, then you're going to make the Giants have to play a game with a backup quarterback and Colt right. McCoy. That you know, is not going to be conducive to them winning a football game. It's really why I picked the Seahawks to win. I, I picked the game, I think, 27-13. Mm-hmm. I thought the Giants' defense would hang tough. and give it, But I thought Colt McCoy would ultimately throw an interception or get strip-sack fumbled, and that would just be enough for them to win comfortably. But he took care of the ball for the most part, yep. and then they
2: ran the damn ball, yeah. especially in the second half. And I think that's exciting there too. Looking at the Seattle offense, not yeah. just with what happened yesterday or, yeah. or didn't happen against the Giants, but pulling out and kind of looking at these last few weeks. When they won five of the first six games, and we were talking about Russell Wilson playing like a video game-like game with yeah. those kind of numbers, they were averaging in the mid-30s as an offense. Since then, they're only 3-3. Three three, yeah. it's gotten. seemed like it's gotten worse every week. It has. In this 3-3 three and three stretch, they're averaging now in the low 20s. Mm. So from the mid-30s to the low 20s, What has happened to this offense in terms of what we got used to in the beginning of the fall? Well, I think first is they played some good defenses lately.
1: And as you start to go through the season, as you know, or anybody that's pays attention to football, you know, there becomes more data into, Ooh, when they get in this formation or when it's this down in distance, they have tendencies of doing that. and, I've never been, like, sitting here telling you, whoa, this Seattle offense is amazing, Even right? Even last
2: year, same thing. I know. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's
1: good. They usually can run the ball. And they'll play one-on-one ball like I like. And they got enough of just all the basics to go. It's a good enough offense. And if you put talent there, they'll be good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think ultimately, yeah, they've played some teams that, you know, are on some of their crap and then Russell Wilson with having that little stretch of being careless, and then Chris Carson and no Carlos Hyde for a number of weeks too really made them pass happy. I think it's a little bit of all of that together, Paul. I can't sit here and just tell you one thing. Uh, that, that, I, yeah, I can't. I can't tell you one thing. Philadelphia game, hey, they had chances to blow them out and score a lot more points. They didn't do it. Um, but, but either way, when you talk about the Rams, you know, the Bills, the 49ers, the Giants yesterday, you know, they've played some solid defenses lately that are going to give them some issues and are, co- are, and are coached by people
2: who you go, damn, there's some good defensive coordinators they're playing, too. Right. Yeah. Seattle, it's, it's mostly a negative conversation for that team today. They are still 8-4, yeah. right? tied for first in their division. So they're in a good position as they try to figure out how to get back to what they were doing. A lot of teams would like to be in, in the spot there. A lot of teams, teams would like to be 8-4.
1: You know, we talked about the offense and their inability, not running the ball. I think that, that says it all. And then the Giants' defense is a lot better than we've all given it credit for. And it was a great game plan for them. And then I think the other aspect of it is just the run game, especially in the third quarter. You know, I mean, it was two different run plays from what it looked like to me. And I got to study that side of the film to really break it down. But I saw enough on highlights and when the game was happening in real action. Double pulling lineman, Wayne Gallman. Some of his big runs in the second half, at least two of them were that play where it's just block down, block down, block down, two guys pulling around the edge, and Seahawks had nobody there. And then there's Wayne Goblin going down the sideline untouched. And then the other run play they ran, and this is Dave DeGuglielmo, who's the new O-line coach there. These are staples of him. This is why I like him. It's that, and then it's just come downhill, get a double team across the board, I don't really give a damn where you run. We're just getting bodies on bodies, and you figure it out and pick it. And it was those two run plays that just gashed the Seahawks, especially in the second half. How often do you talk about an NFL running back, 16 carries, averaging 8.5 yards per carry? Yeah, that's insane. It's crazy. And, 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 and not a superstar running back at that. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to take any credit away from him. But, yeah, he's Wayne Gallman. He's a good player. But,
2: ideally, he's your second running back, not your star you know, starter. It's really the first time you and I have spent a lot of time on the Giants. So before we move into the next section here, any final, final point on that team? Seahawks got to stop wasting plays. And when they do that, like you
1: see Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, right? They don't ever just get up and set hut, set hut, set hut, set hut. There's dummy snap counts. There's a lot of hard counts. There's a lot of shifts in motion. Oh, no, Patrick Mahomes, after you saw the motion, you're screwed. And all of a sudden, he's yelling out code words. And they get a 20-yard completion. Same with Aaron Rodgers. Seattle doesn't do any of that. That is going to lead to some games every now and then if you're going to play that way, to where you're going to see some staleness from the offense, like you saw yesterday. Damn okay. Up damn. Next.
2: And I do believe there's a soundtrack. There is. For Damn Okay. Send Shady. Damn Roll it.
1: I'm okay. Oh, damn. Not sponsored yet, though. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, yes. <laughs> I'm okay. The legal
2: Oh, baby. I am Christensen. I'm okay. Uh, uh, damn. Okay. Pete, Pete is well aware that I'm praising his themes for, for these sections here. So, this is the defensive back edition. This is, yes. damn okay. Right. All right. We go to the night game, Sunday night. Tyron Matthew, Chiefs beat the Broncos 22-16. How about this line? Seven tackles, two picks, one tackle for loss.
1: Yeah. He, well, he's a stud. You know, the, the the Kansas City defense, it's nothing to write home about. But they have two real difference makers in Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew. And then a guy like Frank Clark, who's real good. Doesn't always pop out, but certainly has his moments throughout the year and all of that. But to me, you know, Honey Badger and Chris Jones are the defense. Their attitude, their energy they bring, and especially Honey Badger. You know, he just holds everybody accountable. He's such a good player. He's so versatile at everything he does. I mean, there's, you know, you watch him. There's really nothing, no weakness. Can cover people, can tackle, can blitz, catches the ball as good as a receiver does, you know, and. First drive, okay, 0-0, Broncos are driving. Drew Locke throws a stupid ball. This is something he's got to fix about his game because every point's going to count against Kansas City and just throws a a dumb jump ball. And Tyrone Matthew outduels the the, the tight end to to get the interception. And then he closes it out, which is he's he's amazing at doing that too. Now, I'm not going to blame Drew Locke as much there. He had to force the issue a little bit, and Matthew knows that, and I think he was just sitting there – you know, reading his eyes and undercuts a, a crosser or a post route or whatever to get that interception. But he's a really damn good player. And, hey, their defense, you know, it's a force. It's not – It's not. I don't want to say it's a force, but it's going to have its moments of creating ca- chaos and giving any offense issues, and you saw that a little bit last night. You could make the argument it was better
2: than the Chiefs offense well, last night. Well, hey, it's the second week in a row,
1: you know, I, I – I had somebody on the radio today go, what the Chiefs defense. And I go, what about the Chiefs offense? Yeah. There's $95 billion on that side. It's not their job. The defense is what it is. We asked for years, just don't be the worst defense in football, Kansas City. Yeah. Be somewhere in the middle of the road, and we think you can go to the Super Bowl. And that's what's happened. That's what it is. There's Tyree Kill. There's Kelsey. There's Le'Veon Bell. There's Patrick Mahomes. There's franchise left tackle, franchise right tackle. It's on the offense. First-round pick at running back. First-round pick at running back. Yeah. they got to get it done. It's the second week in a row they haven't closed, team out, closed teams out. Now, Vic Fangio, he's a great defensive coach, and he subscribes to the we're going to play deep coverages and not let them throw the ball too deep all over the place on us all day, all day long. And when you get inside their red zone, he's always been phenomenal at not letting teams score touchdowns. But I don't give a damn. Yeah. It's, the Patrick, it's Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And you can't kick five field goals.
2: And I know you're a big believer in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes yeah. and that, that whole group. But right. since you brought up the last couple of weeks being not, not, not what we have come to expect right. when they really needed it, what well, gives you pause the most? Well, like, what's I, the biggest reason? I think it's just missed opportunities. It's like
1: carelessness or like we've lost interest. This is so easy. I mean, this is the Bucks and Tom Brady. I mean, we're just going up and down the field. Let's just chill out and enjoy the Tampa weather for a little while. And it's like, I feel like it's the same way last night. It's like, you know, one of the first few drives of the game is Tyreek Hill. Oh, we missed him. You know, Collinsworth said it. They leave a number of plays and touchdowns in the field every game. I know people don't realize it because we forget about it because they usually go down and score again later. And we just go, oh, that was amazing. But, I mean, that, the Tyreek Hill caught the touchdown, but he didn't realize he caught it. it? right? I've never seen that happen before. But I understand how he didn't think he caught it. Right. You know, the ball bounces off his head. He face plants into the ground so he doesn't see it. And he just happened to roll over and it laid on him. It was the damnedest thing I ever saw. Yeah. Um, So that hurt them, of course, because they ended up punting the ball. Yeah. Um, But I just think it's it's those type of things more than anything where right now it's just like, yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Loss of interest. We're not threatened by you. But even last night, you see they go down, and then all of a sudden their interest is back up, and it's all zing, 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 zing. Oh, first down, touchdown. Hey, we're back. I, I've never seen anything like it, but it's their job to
2: close some of these games out. And again, we're on the defensive back edition of the damn okay. Troy Hill, Rams knock off the Cardinals. Booyah. 38-28. How badly did the Rams need that kind of win? Troy had two passes defended, a pick six, his second straight game with a touchdown. Fumble return for a touchdown on the Aaron Donald strip sack last week in San Francisco. Yeah.
1: He, well, he's, he's a good football player. He is. I mean, outside corner, inside corner. He makes most of his money this day and age for them as a nickel corner. Pick six, you know, that was a, a little slot out route. And if he doesn't pick at the corner on the outside, he's going to pick right? it. I mean, it was a bad decision <laughs> by Kyler Murray. It's one of these plays. It's a, it's called a trap coverage. So if, if the route stayed vertical, They wouldn't play cover two. It would be cover four. But they read it on the fly, and if the slot receiver goes out, then it becomes cover two because now they know they have nothing to threaten them up the seam. So the corner was ready for it, but Hill obviously had a good feel for it too. And this goes back to my old thing with the Cardinals, where I've been saying for the last few weeks, people are on to their pass game. Mm. They're on to it. Let alone Kyler Murray's not throwing the ball nearly as well as he was in the first half of the season. And I don't know if that's a shoulder or elbow issue or whatever, but anybody that's been listening to the pod, I've been telling you for at least five or six weeks that people are onto the bread and butter pass plays of the Arizona Cardinal mm. offense, and there's not a whole lot more to offer you. And we're seeing that. With defenses that can at least have a formula to slow down him from running and scrambling and doing
2: all of that,
1: all of a sudden it seems like they have a hard time kind of consistently
2: moving the football. And with the Cardinals losing three games in a row, at W. Spelder asks, I'm kind of paraphrasing here because he wants to know about Kyler Murray, what's going on. Do you think it's a temporary blip? Well, his play, I've never seen him throw the ball as poorly as
1: he's throwing the ball the last few weeks. And for him poorly, I'm I'm holding that to a high. Him poorly, you know, I hold him to a high standard. He's a special arm. This is a guy I've seen do a lot of special things with his right arm. You know, I questioned whether his elbow hurt. I know he banged up his shoulder, but I think this is still about the Cardinals and their growth as an offense. Cliff Kingsbury still trying to find his – or not find his way, but just continuing to grow his NFL playbook. Yeah. To realize it's just – it's different. It's not college football anymore. It's a year and a half. People have really seen everything you've done, Mm -hmm. and there just has to be more. And I don't know what that's going to be. And then as Kyler Murray, hey, anybody out there, watch. The one thing I've noticed about Kyler Murray right now is his arm. It's really a loopy motion right now, like almost lets it get straight at times like this. I don't know anybody in football other than maybe Russell Wilson that throws the ball like that. But it's hard to be consistently consistently like uh, accurate with such a long motion and so many moving
2: parts. That's just one thing that's jumped out to me. And he's very young into his career, but we're kind of used to, backing up to last year, seeing games where, okay, Arizona didn't win, but there were a lot of highlights from Kyler, a lot of yards, a lot of production. So not only do you have the three losses in a row. Yeah. Okay, 39 passes he threw and ran the ball five times. That's 44 times he can put up total offense. How many yards do you think he accounted for yesterday? Just just a ballpark guess with 39 throws. Right. Okay, so I know he
1: had 170-something throwing the ball. Yeah. But, man, I don't – I mean, run game, I'm, I, I don't – I feel like it's like another 15 there yards. There you go, ran 15 yards. Is it 15? Yeah. So,
2: 39 passes, five runs. He had 178 yards total offense. Yeah, that's nothing. So far beneath what we've come to expect Right, from them. they so can't Something's win. going on.
1: Yeah, there. they can't win, right, yeah, because they're – like we're seeing, it's just not enough – there's not enough like, oh, they can run the ball on anybody. They don't have that. Right. And then there's no play-action pass to do that. So, there needs to be another element of their offense. They have no offensive diversity. And I I had this conversation last week with Ahmed a little bit where, you know, when you talk about diversity, too, I don't want to just, like, we don't need, like, three plays. Like, oh, look, they ran three different plays. No, I need to see drive of we got three tight ends in the game and one running back and one wide receiver. Like, show me a drive or a a few drives that you can go, here's our curveball or we're changing it up here. We're going to play this way. We don't, we don't like what you're doing to us the other way, so now we're going to see what you're doing here. And, ooh, we feel like we have an advantage in going that. That doesn't exist with them. And the other thing, too, hey, just like we talked about with Seattle, they played some good damn defenses lately. Let's not forget that. I mean, the Rams is the best in football. The Patriots, they – I mean, it's Bill Belichick in that secondary. They're going to have a game plan. You know, the Seattle Seahawks, they're used to playing him. Buffalo Bills the week before that. It's Sean McDermott and company. The week before that was the Miami Dolphins and Brian Flores. So, it hasn't exactly been just like the easiest road
2: to victories here the last few weeks too. Let's not forget that. And the Vikings. How about from 1 to 5 to 6 and 6? What? Hot recently. We're focusing on the defense. Cam Dantzler as they win 27-24 against Jacksonville in overtime. Third-round rookie out of Mississippi State. First career pick. Strip fumble recovery, and that was the only catch he allowed on seven targets per he,
1: uh Mike Zimmer, first off, like way to awesome go, Mike job, Zimmer. Right? Awesome job. Yeah. I mean, just team continues to fight and battle. And,
2: you know, just uh, the fact that they didn't give up after one and five, I think says, says it all. Let's not overlook that word fight. There are yeah. a lot of teams that were struggling that aren't fighting the way this team does. Right. It's no coincidence that that he's the head
1: coach. No, you're exactly right. And then, and and add to that, Gary Kubiak, who's tough as hell too, and no nonsense, and he's not going to make any excuses. And I think they got players that fit that mold too. Dantzler, he's a corner that, like Zimmer, is always like the longer, like kind of physical type corner. He can really tackle. Almost looks like he's a safety, but he plays corner. He can jam you at the line of scrimmage and then get off, and you never really get deep on him or anything like that. So, Dancer does it all from that aspect. He's not the best pure man-to-man cover corner I've ever seen in my life. But either way, I mean, two really big defensive plays. It's 9 nothing. The Vikings defense has shown no sense that they're going to slow down the Jaguars early on in the game. The Jaguars are driving. They're around the 20-yard line. He throws, in, Mike Lennon throws an under route to the tight end. Dantzler's all over him, does a great job of trying to get his left arm around there. The tight end doesn't catch the ball cleanly, and it kind of finds its way into Dantzler's uh, hands. That was a huge moment in the football game. And then at the end of the game, 21-16, to make the strip sack there, again, mm-hmm. just to give them a little bit more of a cushion to get them to 24 yeah, some big-time plays uh, by him. But, but man, Mike Zimmer and the Vikings, way to go. All around, their whole team, the toughness of the way they run the ball, the big plays that they make in the pass game. You know, they're like the Titans a little bit and like the Browns. It's like they're going to run, and when they drop back to pass, they're looking for 30 yards. Mm. They're not looking for four-yard throws or anything like that. It's kind of fun to watch. Justin Jefferson, pretty good fit there oh, with Oh, man, too. It's perfect. Right? It, it just it fits perfectly within the offense.
0: Around any corner –
2: Film Deep dive number two: Browns beat the Titans, 41-35, misleading final. they led 38 to seven in that first half. And Cleveland is getting used to winning I mean, they're nine and three, but this one was different. Yeah I mean, number one, it locked up their first winning season in over a decade, so that's huge for that franchise. And for the here and now number two, this came against the division leader on the road. This feels different than the other eight wins they had this season
1: uh it should I mean it is this was a like this was a a a defining moment for this Browns football team like hey we're not just happy to be in the playoff conversation or we're going to the playoffs and we're just like hey we made it we're going to the playoffs let's kick our feet back up and start drinking margaritas Hmm. no I, I think it shows you there's a little edginess to this football team they expect and want and I like that and yeah this You know, last few weeks, this game especially, now it makes you think, whoa, okay, maybe the Browns aren't a one-and-done type playoff football team. You know, with the way they run the ball and their front four they have on defense, they're going to be a pain in the butt in the playoffs. I don't care who they play against, but really impressive. Game was crazy. Got away from the Titans a little bit, but... Where do you want to start first, the Browns, though, or the Titans,
2: though? Let's start Browns' offense. Yeah. And for everybody who's yeah. watching along with us on YouTube, let's take a look at the Baker Mayfield stats. Let's and do I think it. this is going to show his first-half production. There we go, 20 out of 25. It's ridiculous. 290, four touchdowns, and zero picks. So we'll get to their defense, but let's start right there yeah. with Baker. And I'm okay if you want to start out focusing on how well he played or if you want to talk about – Kevin Stefanski's game plan and game calling. Yeah. I think that's fair to. I think let's just. I think we could tie it
1: together. I mean, first off, he threw the ball phenomenal. You yep. saw it. I mean, he just never really lost control of football all game long. Should have had a, should have had another touchdown yeah. pass in the first drive. You know, throws the ball to Donovan Peoples Jones, who makes up for it. Uh, you know, with a great day, but got a little slant route, throws it right in his stomach. Should have been a touchdown. Should have been seven nothing Browns. So it came off going. This is where I'll give Kevin Skafansky a lot of credit. It's like he knew the Titans are going to overplay their run. Mm. They're going to go all out in the run. So here's two tight ends. Here's three tight ends. Here's three tight ends. Yeah. yeah. Come up. Come up. Crush our run. Crush our run. And he did a great job early on of playing off that and playing past. Hey, self-scouted we got three, thyself. Self-scouted thyself big time. Yeah. Got in three tight ends. Said, oh, no, we're not going to get in your traditional run set. We're going to get in Shotgun. Spread the field out with three tight ends because you're the Titans and you can't rush the passer and you can't cover anybody good. Yeah. And now we got your big slow guys in the game yeah. too, so it's even worse for you. So that was brilliant from that standpoint. To me, that's where the Titans went wrong. The Titans overplayed the run game. I thought early on, like, hey, it's okay, at, like the first drive, but after that, I mean, they were still playing the run game after they got gashed by the pass game a few times around. They'd be like, okay, they're they're going to pass it here. We've seen it already. <laughs> Back the hell off. Don't be such meathead. We're going to stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. That, to me, is kind of where they went wrong. But I thought the approach by Stefanski and just that little psychological advantage there and the way he, he attacked yesterday. Yeah. You know, from the get-go, with those personnel sets, coming out throwing more than running, the fake, the reverse quarterback throw play, you know, those are plays that for a team who's not sure if they belong with the big boys – when you come out and attack and then have a little success and, man, our coach is calling a reverse, it makes you think as a player like, man, you know, we got it today. Coach likes us. He thinks we can win and put this team away. And I think they fed off of that as well.
2: Baker Mayfield, as, as Cleveland kind of started this winning streak, he was just – he was all of a sudden just taking care of the ball and avoiding yeah. mistakes and right. the defense run game very, very good. Uh, but now yesterday – he was he amped it up a notch took advantage of the formations and the play calls and all that but he was aggressive and he was accurate instead of careless and inconsistent which one do you think now that everybody's watching cleveland people are taking him more seriously now yeah which baker do you, you believe is going to be out there more now
1: i think you're going to see continue to see this good baker i think he's got a feel for the offense he's comfortable he understands the proper way to play with his team you know again let's let's think about baker mayfield he came from oklahoma And let me throw it around and I'm a rookie and Hugh Jackson wants to throw it around and we're going to fire Hugh and now it's going to be Freddie Kitchens and I'm going to still throw it around. This is awesome. He's never had to be reined in in his life. So he took some time to adjust to being, oh, okay, I got to manage a game and, you know, run checks and man, I got to throw it away sometimes and we're just going to play smart that way. I think ever since the Steelers game. He's, he's been a different
2: quarterback. He's been good. And even though I asked the question, yeah. I mean, he, has this, he has a, definitely has a, a resume of being inconsistent. Yes. But it's been five games without a pick. It no. wasn't just yesterday. Right. Five games in a row now. Yeah,
1: it's, it, there's, that's, that's not a fluke or anything like that. And five games, no pick, with some horrible weather games, too, that weren't fun to be throwing right. the ball and weren't going to lead to great stats but still played the game the right way. And then here the last few weeks, we've seen a lot of big plays in the past game because they presented itself, and he felt like he could be aggressive and do those type of things. But, you know, his connection with Jarvis Landry, you know, they're always on the same page. Higgins, that's his next go-to guy, in my opinion. Um, You know, he's he's confident, and he's confident in what he's seeing, and he's letting it loose. And Mm -hmm. I think that's early in the year where we saw a lot of like, hey, throw it, and he wasn't sure what he was
2: looking at.
1: He didn't know how he wanted to play, but he certainly found his groove now. Two
2: things that really jumped out to yeah. me, and this is this is both credit to Baker and also to Kevin Stefanski. He rolls out to his left by play design. Like Kevin trusts him to throw it accurately, running fast to his left. Yeah. They did it multiple times. It was they had success with it multiple times. Got to do it. You don't see a lot of teams trusting their quarterback to do it more than just every now and then. Every now and then. And so that was that was fun to watch. And that deep in route, yeah. which is kind of old school, but just dropping back, throwing a 20-yard in, they relied on that too. And it's good to see that around as teams figure out all these other new ways to push the ball downfield. Yeah. Just that old school route.
1: Yeah, old school, in cuts, things yeah. like that. And to your boot point, I think it's a really good point because most coordinators are reluctant to have their right-handed quarterback boot to the left. Mm-hmm. They only do it in very rare ooh, it's a big third and one, and maybe I'll catch right. them off guard here or do something like that. I saw Russell Wilson actually do that against the Giants in a fourth and one, and they tried to go to the left. The Giants were ready for it. But if you're a team like Cleveland, you gotta be able to call your, you got to be able to call the bootlegs both ways because the running game is too important. So if you want to run to the right constantly and not have backside always closing down, you got to keep them honest with that bootleg left. I would bet you bootlegs to the left he is one of the league leaders right there next to Kirk Cousins, of course, because they do the same offense, and Stefanski came there. Mm-hmm. But I would think they're right up there, and that's probably the beauty of they do it. But, but you're right, too. They're, you know, they're old school. They're a lot like Tennessee or like Minnesota we just talked about. When they drop back to pass, they're not looking for four yards. They're looking for 15 and 20, and I think that goes really hand-in-hand with their run game. And, you know, this, this, I just want to say this, too. You know, you go up 3-0, nothing. All right? They go up 10 nothing. They get the fumble from, from Derrick Henry, yep. right? you got to score touchdowns, right, if you want to win big, big games. There they are, third and goal from the one-yard line. It's like, oh, man, are they going to get in? What a great play that is. Fake up the middle to Chubb. Fake the swing pass to Kareem Hunt. Oh, here, no name O lineman. Oh, yeah, he's not covered? Yeah, shocker. Of course he's not. <laughs> they use their two best decoys. That was amazing. Now, another, I think another great spot. It's 17-7. It's the fourth drive of the game. You're thinking, oh, the Titans, okay, they scored. It was 17-0. This game will settle down. I love that Stefanski came out and said, let's go for the jugular again because they're going to think we're going to try to settle in and run the ball again and settle the game down. And he goes, fake 97 power, naked right X stutter, which is an old school Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, little boot pass, Mm -hmm. and the Titans, again, are so foaming at the mouth of stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. It was first
2: down with three tight ends, I think. It was. Right. Right.
1: And there was only two guys on the route, and they were both wide open. They didn't cover either. Yeah. Yeah, it was one receiver. He ran a little stutter go, and they had one of the tight ends running on a crossing route, and neither one of them were covered because the Titans were so focused on the run game. And that, that to me, was one of the Titans' issues, as I mentioned. But I think those type of play calls – Right. Those give your team you know,
2: big advantages and just, uh, you know, way to go, Kevin Stefanski. I love the combination when you look at that. That touchdown that put him up 24-7 and the next one, touchdown pass to put him up 31-7. Right. The one you just described that was formation and play call, way to go, Kevin Stefanski. The next touchdown on that perfect fade pass to Down Higgins, the right side was right. Right. that was Baker's recognition and his accuracy. And it, it's only a two-play little bundle there, but one is – Head coach, man, awesome. The next is, hey, quarterback. Hey, quarterback. That's how you do it. That's It is. Uh, you know, Baker, you're right. The recognition of, oh,
1: wait, you know, it's a zone coverage, but they're kind of playing him like one-on-one on the outside. And, you know, he's got a corner that obviously they felt was a little aggressive and, and tried to play some of these short routes, and he ran just a, just a little stutter again. Just enough, But yeah. the ball was on the money. And, you know, not that that ended the game, but that certainly put the game in a spot where you went, wow, I don't know if Tennessee, thirty-one to seven. I don't know if they can come back
2: from that. And defensively for Cleveland, got to hit on them with yeah. what they did to Derrick Henry. And it seems like every week we're thinking of new ways to talk about Derrick Henry and how he's closing games out and piling up one hundred yard games. Not even close to a hundred yards yesterday. No, uh, you know they never got in a rhythm of the football game, and nor did they
1: ever really get a point. Get to the point because. You know, you get stopped on a fourth and one on the first drive, and they go down and score. So now you're getting the ball for the second time, and you're already down 10 nothing. And then on that, now you're whatever, your second drive, your first play, Derrick Henry fumbles. So now it's 17 nothing. They never really got to just get in a groove and say, okay, we can run it. We can pound it. Let's start to do those type of things. No, and I, partly that is because of Cleveland. Cleveland did a cool thing in the football game. I I hadn't seen them do this. I think they did in the Raiders game, and in the other only other game all year. But they went into some defensive sets, base sets, where they got really big. And when I mean really big, I mean Olivier Vernon became a stand-up linebacker, who's a 270-pound, awesome pass-rushing defense end. So what they did, Paul, is they went Miles Garrett at defense end, Mm -hmm. and then they had Sheldon Richardson as the other defense end, who's a 305-pound man. And then inside they had the Jordan Elliott, the third round pick out of Missouri who I really liked, and then Ogan Joby. So they got a lot of these plays with Derrick Henry, especially in first and second down and base personnel. They had basically, you know, four big defensive linemen with Olivier Vernon, who's another defensive lineman, acting as a stand-up linebacker. That gave them a great advantage early on to just not be overpowered.
2: I thought that was a cool aspect of their game plan. It's cool, too, that you bring up creativity on defensive fronts. We always think of creativity with blitzes or everything you do on offense. You talked about it a little bit ago with the Giants and what they did with yeah, their front. right. And it's just a reminder that there are a lot of ways, important ways, Maximize to be creative your personnel. with your big guys. Yeah, right. Maximize them. Olivier
1: Vernon's kind of one of those hybrid D end outside linebackers. How do you stop this big team? Okay, let's make him a linebacker this week. And, you know, we'll make our defense a tackle, a defense end. Yeah, there's more, more, you know, than one way to skin the cat, as they say. And I give Joe Wood a lot of credit for that. You know, again, I don't know if this game would ever play out this way, you know, if they played 10 times, right? I don't expect the Tennessee Titans to make some of the mistakes they make and those type of things. But either way, I don't care if they play 10 times. I know I can come away and think, no, this game's going to be close no matter what, every mm-hmm. one of them. I don't know who gets the best of which. I would love to watch it
2: in the playoffs again. It'd be a fun game. The, I, I think the, the big yeah but here for Cleveland is that in the other two games, and I went back through their schedule, you can really call measuring stick games. Earlier against Baltimore and Pittsburgh, they got outscored 76-13. to 13. Right. So this it, it, it isn't just a garden variety win for Cleveland, no matter how anybody looks at it. The other way I want to close this one out, Yeah. question. right. Who's done a better job head coach in the AFC? Kevin Stefanski, Brian Flores.
1: Mm. Man, they're both
2: way, way up there. These are two teams that are both winning at much more consistent rates in an impressive way than anybody thought.
1: Yeah, they're they're both amazing. I think where uh, Stefanski, they had a lot of the talent in place. Flores, they kind of all brought it here the last year and two year or two it's been a total total rebuild so I, I don't want to take credit I don't like the question Both awesome they're both awesome yeah. but I would probably give the edge to Flores
2: yeah I, I yeah I'd probably give the edge to Flores but I, I don't feel great who about that tunes in knows that you like both of them I, mean, I it's, do it's so-
1: well all Cleveland fans still think I hate Stefanski uh, really because, well because like I didn't love the hire so they've taken that and run with it even though I've said I could have been wrong and I picked him to go 10 and 6 before the season But they don't want to hear it. They don't care. So, whatever. It it is what it is. But either way, great job by him. Mm -hmm. Joe Wood being smart on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Mm -hmm. it was outside-the-box thinking game plan. And that gave them enough to to
2: beat the Tennessee Titans. All right. You want me to go back to a moment in time before I ask that question? No, no. That's good. That's good. I like the tough (laughs) questions. That was perfect. All right, Chris, it's time to take it up to 100, presented by Head & Shoulders. Yeah, take it up to 100. T.Y. Hilton, Colts knock off the Texans 26-20. We haven't seen this for a while. Eight catches, 110 yards, his first 100-yard game since back in 2018 when he was playing with a guy named Andrew Locke. They need him. I think that was an important part uh, or important thing to
1: see for the Colts. Like, if they want to make a, you know, a run, which they look like they're going to be a low-end playoff team and get in the playoffs and win – You know, they need a go-to guy for Phillip Rivers. So I think that's the encouraging thing. Kind of fought injury throughout the year. He's just getting back in the swing of things. It's not a real dominant run game. And there's a lot of good to go around with the Colts right now. But they don't have that guy where you go, "We, we need to watch out for him. Or we might have to adjust our game plan. And I think yesterday showed that maybe T.Y. could start to be that guy for the Colts a little bit. You know, two things. Phenomenal route runner. And still can fly, can still go to where he scares you as a defender. Ooh, he might run by me in a go route. So he can catch 10-yard curls and things like that still because guys are backing out. They're scared of him. Where his other beauty is, especially with Rivers, is he's a great 10 to 20-yard route runner. And I mean that you get him in the slot and he runs that little, hey, the outside guy's running a go route. I'm going to bend it in and run a 15-yard out route. Or I'm going to bend it out and go across the middle. And now be available for a 15 yard in cut. He's great that way. And we saw him catch a shallow cross, you know, man to man coverage, little pick play. And that showed you still, he's still got, you know, fifth gear. He can still punch it and go and run away from younger corners that are in their prime. So for me, you know, with a guy like Phillip Rivers, he's not going to be bombs away, bombs away. T.Y. Hilton's going to be a good, reliable target for him. And I think for the Colts' offense in general, they need. A stud. They need a guy to where defenses go, oh, we gotta double team this guy on a third down or a big play situation. And I think T. Y. Hilton's gonna be able to deliver that
2: for them as they go along. Certainly need it at eight and four tied with Tennessee Ooh, now atop that, that AFC was a good south. One. All right, with eight catches, 110 yards for T. Y. Hilton and the Colts win. That was taken up to 100, presented by Head and Shoulders, available at Walmart. Self scout thyself. This yeah. is a bad coaching edition. Whoa. Okay. You don't want to show up on this one. You know where we got to start. New York Jets lose to the Raiders 31-28. Great pass from Derek Carr to the rookie Ruggs. It's a win. But Greg Williams, the former defensive coordinator of the Jets, called a very aggressive eight-man blitz that really cost him the game and earlier today cost him his job as the Jets fired him.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not shocked. I'm, I'm not. I mean, that was egregiously bad. I mean, so bad that yeah, – I mean, I'm not going to lie. You almost wonder, like, did he do it deliberately to, like, screw over Adam Gase and the Jets? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. That's what came to my head. I don't know that. I don't know Greg Williams. Either way, all my years in football and watching the sport, I, I, that's, that's one of the dumbest defensive calls I've ever seen.
2: Jets were the only team this season to send an eight-man rush with less than 30 seconds remaining.
1: I mean, duh. I mean, what, it, it, what team has really ever done that ever unless maybe they were down by the goal line? I mean, play that back again. I mean, and let's start from the, the start, if we can pause it, just before the snap of the football, James, if you're back there running this show. But, like, right there, pause it. Uh, you know, okay, he doesn't know how to pause it. We got a new guy back there. He doesn't know the pause button. All right, <laughs> but either way, James, there we go, James. Way to go. See, he's coachable. But this alignment, and here's the thing that I want everybody to pay attention to. You know, right by the football and that Jets emblem, there's a number 83. It's a tight end. He stayed in the block. What does that tell you? They knew all-out blitz was coming. They had a good idea. It was. John Gruden knows Greg Williams better than any coordinator in football. It was the coordinator he knew best when I was playing for John Gruden. And ever since I retired, he's had a few times where he's torched Greg Williams as well. I don't know if this was a personal thing where he wanted to give John Gruden one more statement or whatever. But the fact that you leave an undrafted rookie on an island or anybody on an island in this moment to give a team to just throw a ball up and maybe something good happens type of opportunity,
2: um, that's unforgivable. Okay. Anthony Lynn, he's also on this list. Well. Patriots beat the Chargers 45 to nothing, Worst loss in Chargers franchise history. Yeah, that was a disaster. Oh, my gosh. And, like –
1: it's it's the same crap always. I think that's where it's like just frustrating because two special teams touched Well, yeah. I mean it's it's special teams. They're 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 ordinary teams out there. I, you know, I, I asked for of that what's the what's the opposite of special? Like I ordinary, horrible. blah, horrible, horrible teams. That's what the horrible teams unit for the Lo, the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> yeah. I mean punt return, block field goal. For a touchdown.
2: They reassigned special teams coordinator George Stewart two a weeks ago. A few weeks ago. ago. I know it's just done yeah. nothing for them.
1: They had penalties on three different punt formations that they had to deal with. And Pete, so, we have, we
2: have some, some stats here, some, some things to back right. up what Chris is saying, right? There we go. Patriots lined up to punt five times. Chargers had the wrong number of players on the field for three of those plays. Yeah, that stuff that's just – when you lose 45
1: nothing, and the owner can count to 11, you're, that's when you go, oh, no, you're, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And that was yeah, a disheartening look. You got you know, out physical, out game planned, out intensified everything. But these are things that like will drive an owner crazy. Like how that that's management stuff. Like how are we not getting the right guys in the field? One time it's 10, another's 10, now it's 12. Yeah. Um but New England is really the story and just their way that they continue to execute, manage football games. Hanging around in December. Hanging around. Right. A special, special run game, and they got a quarterback who uh, is not trying to be any more than Superman than he is. He's but. not trying to, like, show people, oh, I got to throw the ball. or do they just doing what they're asking him to do. It counted
2: for 117
1: yards of total offense. Yeah. I mean,
2: they need a little more than they that. They will, yes. Most of the
1: time. Yeah. But it won't be – There's not going to need, like – it's not going to be anything earth-shattering when they can run the ball the way they do. Right, that's going to be the big thing. Yeah, you're right. When they get in a big playoff game or a game here down the stretch, 69 yards passing is not going to get it done. Um, but it's an elite running game, and they have seemed to have found their way up front too, with just getting a little healthier up there. We knew the secondary was great, but they're up, they're they're. Their front guys have been doing a pretty good job against the run lately, too, and I think that's a, a big positive for the Patriots.
2: Note to self, give Chris props because he took the under 47.5 points, one of your best bets this week.
1: I was sweating that one out, though. I wasn't <laughs> expecting a 45 nothing under. I kept going, oh, my gosh, they returned a punt. Oh, my gosh, they kicked re- – before the half, and it was, what, 21 nothing. I went, ooh, I'm sitting pretty. I was like, the Patriots are going to win this, like – they're going to win like 28 10. This will be no problem. They kept scoring points and right. scoring
2: points, and I didn't think I had a chance. Pete has written in red here. It's the only thing written in red yeah. Gunner, Olszewski. 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 Yeah. Is that, that's correct, Pete, right? Yeah. Yeah. No numbers next to him, nothing. He just kind of, I think he wanted me to say it. Yeah.
1: Well, a typical touchdown. New England, you know, yeah. Johnny try hard white guy who uh, shows up on special teams nice, every nice few weeks. Nice touchdown
2: return there. That was a
1: great, yeah. great, unbelievable body control down the
2: sidelines, not to step out of bounds. So we have the Patriots. We said hanging around six, six and six. Is that correct? Yeah, six and six. Six and six. Two wins in a row. They're not dead. Watch out. They'll be back. Watch out. All right, film deep dive number three. And this isn't so much a number of things about any given game, like we talked about with the Giants and Seahawks or the Browns and Titans. This is about Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz and what the Eagles should do here moving forward. I don't yeah. want to read any numbers about Carson. I mean, it's, uh, it's not going well. Turning the ball over, losing, it's just it, it looks kind of broken. Yeah. Should they start Jalen Hurts? This is after <laughs> he played pretty well as the Packers beat the Eagles 30-16 yesterday. Right. All right. So, first thing is <clears throat> Carson Wentz
1: did nothing egregiously wrong to be benched yesterday. It wasn't like, I, I, I don't sit there. And, again, we can go back and watch the film right after this. And you just want to tell me what plays he misses or what throws he's missing or anything like that. You know, I, 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 there's not much there. He's under pressure every time. There's not a lot of people open. But I'll say this: the time has come. It's time to go to Jalen Hurts. They Carson Wentz needs a break. Right. Philadelphia Eagles fans need a break. Everybody needs a break, and the team needs some sort of refresh, maybe we can bring some new energy, something like that
2: to the football team. That's a yes to start Jalen Hurts. Yes, that's
1: a yes to start Jalen Hurts. It is. I think, you know, two things. One, does it give them energy and maybe a different schematical advantage of defenses, you know, what they have to worry about because of his running ability and all that? Yeah, so maybe that gives them a little help to win a football game here down the stretch or do that. So that's one reason I say Yes. The other reason I would say yes is, yeah, I think Carson Wentz is a beaten puppy. That's the phrase I used this morning. It's just everything's his fault. Defense lets up a touchdown. Oh, Carson Wentz, he sucks. Yeah. Oh, Darius Slay gets burned. Carson Wentz sucks. It's like it just anything Philadelphia goes wrong, Carson Wentz gets blamed for it. Yeah. I don't love that aspect of it. But he also compounds it at times too with stupid sacks and holding the ball. I think really egregiously, what was his worst one of the day? The one on the um, – it was 7 3. It was a third and seven. They were kind of on fringe te- field goal territory. It was 6 19 left in the second quarter. No one open. Pocket collapses. He takes a sack. He's just got to find ways to throw the ball there in some of those scenarios to just save his team because they, mm. they have their points.
2: Points are not easy for that football team. He's not lacking talent or toughness. No. But, but, but something aside from the team not being nearly as, as good as it should be around yeah. him. Something has really regressed. Definitely. Yeah. What is that something you think?
1: I I mean, I think it's lack of talent, Mm -hmm. one around him. Yeah. I do think he's pressing. I think he's. That's a real thing. You
2: know, the whole
1: Nick Foles, Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts in the second round. Everybody expected us to be better. I carried the team last year when we were kind of crappy and things worked out. And I think he's just going too far. And. You know, within that, yeah, is he press to make stupid decisions? Does it press him to hold the ball in the pocket too long? Yes. You know, and the one thing, too, I'll say this just mechanically about Carson Wentz. He's going to have to go back to the drawing board a little bit. If I was just going to be really critical about him as a thrower, he's too elbowy as a thrower, I would say. Okay? Like, listen, when you see Mahomes or Rodgers, right, they're right here in this motion. It's right here. Carson Wentz's first motion is elbow up. Cock the elbow and then do that. That is that again is not going to lend itself to
2: accurate, consistent throwing all the time. And I know is that, is that fixable because guys have tweaked their motions. Look yeah, at I Brady, don't know if it is. years, Right. That that's a pretty big one. That's a big one. I don't know if it's fixable. Yeah. But
1: I would like to see a little bit of a less drastic elbow thing there because it becomes way too much of an arm shoulder hinge at the elbow joint type of throw, and I also know he has a sore elbow from time to time as well. So that would lead to that because it's just you're throwing all arm and all elbow right. when you do that.
2: Um, if you were making that call, yeah. if you were the one making the call to right. start Jalen Hurts, would you be doing so with the mindset, I'm hitting pause on Carson Wentz. I'm giving him a break. Yes. It's not over. Just sit down for a minute. Or is it more of a, I think I might be moving on. No, I'm I'm pausing
1: and giving it a break, and gonna just give it all my all to Jalen Hurts, and we'll evaluate it. I don't think they can move on. They can't. They're really stuck with Carson Wentz. You look at their salary, his salary. If they cut him last year, next year the dead money, it's like north. It's around the thirty million range. It's a huge number. So I just can't imagine that happening. Let alone Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson. They're invested in Carson Wentz. So I think this is going to be more of a hey, let's give him a break. We're not very good, and let's see what we have with Jalen Hurts, and maybe we find something. Or, at the very least, Philadelphia fans see it and go, right. he's not the quarterback. Okay, that's done. We, he can't play quarterback. Yeah. And then you can go back to Carson Wentz, whether you like that or not.
2: Do you think it's more likely that he's going to come in and play well, or that he's going to be a little I have so I have big questions about it. I do. Now – you know, I like the, 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 the
1: man. He's got great charisma and poise and all of that. Um, they might catch some teams off guard at first because he might bring a few things to the table that teams aren't ready for as far as his ability to run and things like that. But just even what I saw as a pure thrower in this game. Yep. Yeah, yep. You saw
2: it too. It, it looks different. He, he threw one ball from the pocket, middle of the field, a right hash all the way to the left. And the same way when, like, if you're at a baseball game, you're watching someone throw 95 and someone comes in and throws 88. He threw a changeup. It looks a lot different. That it's, first one he threw where it kind of needed to be driven, it it he, wasn't. He can't drive the Doesn't ball. mean he can't play. Yeah. But he's going to have to do some other things really well. He,
1: exactly right. I think that's it. You know, and, again, it's 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 a, it's his first time playing real. I don't want to be too critical here. and know we all want to answer on these guys after four plays. Is he going to be great or not? I don't know. It's only been four plays. i got to watch a little bit more. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, the throwing still would concern me. There were still throws where I just go, that doesn't look good. Mm -hmm. It's a very slow, deliberate delivery. Even on the interception that he throws at the end of the football game. Hey, the game's over. I don't give a damn he threw an interception or anything like that. But what I do look at is go, the ball took so long to gather and throw the ball. The guy was open. You know, he should have got rid of it before he got hit. The guy was coming right at him. He saw it, but it's all slow that way, and it led to him not getting it out in time, and then it gets intercepted.
2: We, we spent time February March. It was probably February, I think, yeah. about the way COVID went. We, we were still getting together back there and watching, watching tape of the guys. Yep. Did you say Jalen Hurts, his arm was an independent contractor? Yes, that's the word I used. Like the lower body wasn't helping much. He, I, I had that thought when I was watching him throw yesterday, when the velocity just wasn't what you expect. So, yeah. like, so like so explain that concept again
1: he he gets, you know I, I want i wish i could stand up but you know again if if i was if you watched Aaron like uh, aaron Rodgers or, or mahomes um or any really great thrower in the football a lot of the times you know yes like you're talking about they the upper body lower body they all work together to be a powerful thrower a consistent thrower right and They always get this involved, right? You see Rodgers and Mahomes, they get in this position, right? We've talked about this a lot. Old John Elway pictures. He's like Mm -hmm. this. You could read the name on the back of his jersey because he wants to get like this. So now they can uncork it, and really you're not throwing with your arm. If you do everything right with your body, the arm will slot itself in the right spot. And that's what the good quarterbacks have realized with the Jalen Hurts he kind of just sits there, no movement with this, and it kind of just all happens with the arm. There's no shoulder movement. There's nothing else like that, and that's what I mean by independent contractors. Right. It's that type of thrower. So we'll see. His stats are okay, right? You're gonna see five for 109. I mean, the long touchdown pass, Jair Alexander. I don't know what he was doing. He blew the coverage. Right. I mean, so I, the, that led to an easy one, you know. And the, the competitive part of the game was a little bit over when he got in the game. And he, he, was, he was you know, able to take advantage of a few very soft, easy coverages for some completions. Right. Um, and, and that led to better numbers than, I think, the at reality.
2: Ed Bradley, Bradley Lamps yeah. asks, was it just the broadcaster that Hurts have wide-open receivers to throw to in the second half? I haven't seen open Eagles receivers since 2018.
1: Yeah, there, 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 no, there was open receivers. There was. There's no doubt. Now, I think, like I said, you think the intensity of the game was a little bit over. Right. Green Bay, I think, was also like, oh, wait, are they going to try to run and run with him? So they got in some of those type of defenses. But I I really, I sat there and watched that film and I went, man, Carson Wentz must be sitting there going, what the hell? You know, he throws like five or six passes and like two or three of the guys are wide open. Nobody's been that open all year long. But I don't want to take anything away from Jalen Hurts, too. This is very early. I just tried to voice my concerns. He threw a great fade down the left sideline in yep. his first drive with yep. Jalen Rieger. That was great. You know, and he doesn't look overwhelmed. That's the one thing I like about Jalen Hurts. And Towns if they can play lot. it the right way, right, mm-hmm. run the ball with them, run the ball with the running backs, use them as a decoy, bootlegs, few simple play actions, screens, Yeah, we'll see. Then maybe you could start to develop and throw more on his plate. Hey, here's this drop-back pass. Here's this drop-back pass, and let's see where it goes. You got nothing to lose, Philly. You guys stink. Let's do it.
2: (laughs) Quick reset on this one. I want to bring it back to Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. You would start Jalen Hurts. I would. You have concerns about how successful he can be. (laughs) Yes. You don't think they're moving on from Carson Wentz. I don't. Can you recall any time recently or since you've been following it, since your dad played, where a big-name, high-pick quarterback was struggling for whatever reason? Shown to the bench for a few weeks
0: and then came, came back, back
2: better because of that time where he got to like, okay, thank God it's not me out there for this next month. I'm going to come back better next season. Mm. Top of my head, I couldn't come up with, with anybody. And Pete, feel free to chime in here if you come up with somebody. But no, Nobody really comes to mind who had that experience, went to the sidelines for a bit, and came back and I was the man they were one. supposed to be. I can give you one. He says Drew Brees, but.
1: Well, yeah, but no, no. All right, I'll give you one. This is one that people are going to forget about. Yeah. 1988, 49ers benched Joe Montana and played Steve Young. They did. And then Joe Montana came back in and led his team to the Super Bowl and the clutchest drive maybe in Super Bowl history to beat the Bengals. Right. So there's one. Yeah. It is few a- and far between. That was a good one by me. Woo! Yeah. That, that was a quarterback <laughs> jeopardy. I should get an extra one 32 right there. years he goes back. <laughs> no. Yeah. But but you're right, it's a, this is a very rare story. Hey, early in my dad's career, he was benched and then came back in and was a different player. Even in 1990, he got hurt. Hostel went and won the Super Bowl. 91, he had to sit on the bench. So, I, you know, again, I, I have to think about that a little bit more, but that's the only one that popped in my head is the Joe Montana one. Yeah.
2: I, Pete, tell me that one more time. Breeze got benched for five years in 03 for Doug Flutie. that's
1: right. Well, that started them in the conversation of wanting to draft a quarterback. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. So, there's one. You know, I'm not giving up on Carson Wentz. I, I know that. I've seen enough good to go, you just don't abandon Carson Wentz. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how Philadelphia feels about him. I, don't know. I know their fans don't like him a whole lot right now, but I think they're going to have him back as their starting quarterback next year. That's for sure.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.
2: Moving on to Gimme the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Gimme the Headlines presented by Hyundai. It's written down here twice, Chris, so we'll give it to him two You read it times. twice. You're yeah. uh, you know, what's, what's his name? Johnny Two Times.
1: <laughs> or, yeah, I'm Ron Burgundy. Or you're either that guy, I'm Ron Burgundy, or you're, um, what's it, like Timmy Two Times from Goodfellas? I'm going to get,
2: the, the, papers, get, the, get papers? the papers, get the papers. Get right. the papers, get the papers, yeah. Pete, may, maybe the person who puts this together wouldn't write it down twice back to back. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, screw Pete. You know, yeah, right? Him. Yeah, he's not here. He can't let's team up about on him. It's two yeah. against one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's Either go way, let's to give the headlines. Okay. Hyundai headlines. Saints beat the Falcons 21 to 16. It's a good one. You win some,
1: you taste some. Ha! <laughs> Oh, baby, bam, that's a good He's back. one. No, that's it's two good starts out of three. Two good starts out of three, yeah. both against the Falcons. If he can play the Falcons every hey. week, he'll be he'll be perfect. Falcons but D
2: was good last week. It
1: was. No, yeah. I, I still think what we saw yesterday, you know, yeah, encouraging from Casey Hill. Yeah, we talked a little last week where that Broncos game, there was a few plays where I was like, Ugh. Now we know that game was weird in was general weird. and it wasn't like conducive to great quarterback play anyways, but he looked very comfortable throwing the football. And, you know, again, the value of him doesn't just show up on the statistics throwing the football. When you see Kamara for 88 and some of those other numbers, he ran for 83. It's the other stuff he does for the offense, too. I think it's very special. The game's a little bit misleading. Between his fumble at the end, Mm -hmm. they missed a chip shot field goal. They were inside the five-yard line and had a fourth and short, and Sean Payton decided to kick the field goal, and the damn kicker missed it. So they really could have put this game away. But either way, looked comfortable, looked in rhythm. And, I, I mean, throws a beautiful ball. I mean, that's the one thing I'll say. He looked like he'd been doing it a long time. Right, At right.
2: Bourbon Street Saints asks you, can we now say Taysom Hill is a good quarterback?
1: Yes. So I hope he's not attacking me there. I'm the one that had him You've in the been top 40 for quarterbacks. And, yeah, yeah. And, yeah I, I mean, listen, I – I don't need to be behind anything. If Sean Payton's behind him, I'm behind him, okay? It's the greatest offense, one of the greatest offensive minds we've seen. I think that leads me to go there. But, yes, I think there's plenty. I go back to last year's preseason. I saw enough then to go, you he were can asking do it. For
2: more, I mean, maybe I should have worded it differently. You were asking to see more of him and more of more him. him before a lot of other people did. But yes, especially last
1: year when they had some of the issues of throwing the ball mm-hmm. down the field. I thought, hey, get him in there and do that. But uh, I think this is still – you know, a work in progress as far as him personally and then Sean Payton formulating the proper offense around him. Yep. It'd be cool to see. I bet you we only get to see it one more week, though, because it sounds like Drew's well, coming as, right around the corner here. As soon as nine is healthy, he's right. back in there.
2: Lions beat the Bears 34-30. to 30.
1: Pooh Bears. Oh, <laughs> the Pooh Bears are back. Oh, Six losses baby. in a row. What? Man, oh, man. Man, I hate to do that to Winnie the Pooh, but, but- – but the Chicago Bears are the Pooh Bears right now. I mean, what what can you say? I, I'm just like you're up by 10 points. you got I, I, this I'm more disappointed with the defense than anything yesterday. The offense finally played good. I, the offense yesterday from what I saw, and i I'm gonna go watch this film too, because I thought it showed a little versatility in their plan of attack. They ran the ball a little bit. Trubisky for the most part ran I mean threw the ball pretty well all day long, they got a 10-point lean, and the Lions got to go 96 yards, and they went down the field in seven plays against that Bears defense. That's disappointing. That's two weeks in a row, the Bears defense, asleep at the wheel. So that, and then, I know you get the ball back, the Bears, you've been running the ball with a little success. I just... I, I didn't love the drop back to pass two times in a row. Yeah, questionable. I, I, I didn't. Now, maybe Matt Nagy, just the way he saw his defense play that drive before, he went, oh, I think we need to score more points. I can understand that a little. All right? Maybe he's just going, man, our defense ain't got it right now. Right. I don't trust it. I want to try to get down there and get more points. But, okay, now it's 30-30, to 30, right? Or, no, it's 34-30. And here's the last part of it. Allen Robinson catches a pass on the sideline and he's going to get the first down and he ran out of bounds because he was worried about the clock a yard short of the first down marker. And then they run the ball up the middle and, of course, don't get the first down. So it just kind of just encompasses the Barry's year in general. Just bone opportunity, stupid things,
2: and, uh, yeah, some losing streak here. Daryl Bevel, acting head coach, 1-0. Stafford goes for over 400. Good to see him back the way we've seen him. A lot of Definitely. times before, because yes. he's had kind of a rough stretch here. Yeah, it seemed like they had good energy, and they were very yeah. happy for Daryl Bubble yesterday, that's for sure. Dolphins beat the Bengals 19-7. to 7. Fun one, okay. Is that, that, that the headline, because it rhymes? No,
1: it's, I'm going to go with the uh, the Brooklyn Bruhaha. Yeah. Do you know?
2: Yeah, yeah the Brooklyn the
1: Bruhaha. You know, Flipper, he ain't always down in Miami in the, in the, in the southern warm waters. Every now and then he's got to get up into the – the, the tri-state area and the Hudson River up there and get a little grimy in the Hudson River northeast, you know, crap sewage river there, all right? <laughs> this, 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 and I'm talking about Brian Flores, yeah. of course, because was of the fight that went and broke out in that yep. football game. I mean, that was really the headline of the game. Um, two cheap shots by a gunner on the, um, uh, what's his name? Michael Thomas on the Cincinnati, Mike Thomas on the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. And Flores had enough. So he was ready to go fight him. And knowing Brian Flores, working with him in New England, and he, he roomed with a good friend of mine from high school at college, at Boston College, he's no nonsense. He'll fight anybody. He does not care. He would have he fought. And his team plays that way. And they play that way. They like him. They're going to like that, too. Yeah. And now, you know, this is why it's worked down there. Not only have they made the right moves in the front office and building the team, but he's got a great way of thinking outside the box. His team is tough, and yet he can show them, "Hey, I still care about you in the right way," and it just shows with their team. Yesterday, it wasn't pretty. Defense played good as usual. Tua managed the game. Tua put up and a made, line made some good throws, NFL yeah. quarterback like. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good. I mean, I think it was something to build on for sure. You know, I still want to see more in the offense. It's still a lot of the boots and just one-on-one jump balls and all that. But I saw a little bit more of a versatility. Of him throwing the ball yesterday, and I think that's exciting too. So yeah, the Dolphins, you know, I I enjoy watching them play, and it's because they have the, you know, the heart of their head coach, their
2: toughness of their head coach, and Brian Flores. If I read Give Me the Headlines twice or Take It Up to 100 twice again for the rest of the season, let's come up with some kind of charity I can throw something into. Sure. Because it's too late in the season to be making those kind oh, of Oh,
1: don't worry. We're going to write it three times next week <laughs> and see if you do
2: it three times. <laughs> get the papers. Get the papers. Anytime you can work in Goodfellas, it's a win. <laughs> We've got multiple games still to get to here. I know. Not, not for us to address, but to talk Tonight. about just briefly. Washington-Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yep. Buffalo and San Francisco and Dallas and Baltimore all coming up.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, I mean, all of them are excited. I mean, the two tonight, first off, Washington-Pittsburgh. Of course, I'm expecting Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh to right. win. But I think that Washington defense could, could make things interesting. Mm-hmm. And if they can make it interesting enough to where can Antonio Gibson run the ball a little on Pittsburgh and also within that, Alex Smith. I mean, he's famous for taking care of the football. I give them a fighting chance tonight. I think the only way they can win the game is they need, like, a defensive touchdown or something like that. But I do think their defense can be a real pain in the ass for Pittsburgh's offense. Yep. Uh, and that front four is special. So, I'm picking Pittsburgh, but I think it's, like, an ugly win. Uh, nothing where they blow them out. And Buffalo, San Francisco? I am pumped for that game. I mean, that's my boy blue against my boy Kyle. Right? All right? And yeah. uh, I, I am excited to see that. I'm taking the 49ers to okay. win that football Straight game. Straight up? Straight up. I just think the way with Samuel, Mostert, IU, healthy, you know, Shanahan's game planning and all of that, I think it's just going to be a little too much for McDermott in that defense. And then Josh Allen, you know I love him and all of that. Um, but with Sherman and Verrett healthy at corner and the D-line, the way they're playing, and Salah's creativity, and I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on the Bills' ability to run the ball consistently yet. I think they'll have to be a little one-dimensional. One I'm taking the 49ers 24-21. I'm going Steelers 23-17 over the football team.
2: Last one coming Tuesday,
1: Cowboys-Ravens. Yeah, Cowboys, Ravens. yeah I, you know, um, I expect the Ravens to win that football game as well. I do. I'm not giving up on the Ravens football team. but Cowboys, you know, what will be interesting to me there, they're going to get some opportunities with those receivers to be in some favorable positions against Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. They make a few plays in the pass game. I wouldn't be shocked. I'm going to say the Ravens control the game and win it 28 to 17. But I think Dallas can make a few plays to make it interesting and at least keep us entertained for a little while.
2: Before we say goodbye, I want yeah. to back up to, to Greg Williams, who got fired today, the defense right. coordinator for the Jets. You said you didn't really know him. I don't really know him either. Right. I do want to point out, though, I'm go back 14 years, the day after my first son was born. I was hosting a show at NFL Network called NFL Playboy. Right. Uh, my son was born at nights. That next day on the show, we showed a couple pictures. It was nice to the guys to do that. I got a letter the next week. Paul Burmeister, NFL Network, on my desk. And I, I think Greg was with the, uh, what they were then called the Redskins, Washington right. football team. Yeah. Open it up. Greg Williams, handwritten note, congratulations on the birth of your son. Don't ever apologize for, for spending more time with him than you do with your job. It was just super, super nice, random act of kindness. So I don't really know him. Uh, it was not a good call that got him fired. Yeah. But what I know most about him was that he reached out and did that 14 years no, ago. No,
1: that, that's cool. So it's and not all bad about Greg No, I,
2: well No, that, that's what sucks about
1: our business sometimes. We're just talking about football. It, it has nothing more to do than that. Yeah, when I say it was a horrible call, or the All word, and, I, and it was, I know yes. I have nothing personal against Greg Williams. Sure. I don't really know him either, other than him passing. Hello, how you doing? That's it. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to be portrayed that way. And I didn't think you're you right. were. Yeah. I
2: just I mean we, we've been around it enough. Sometimes you, you come across guys where, in your heart, you're you, you don't feel bad if they fail because right. of how they treated right. you. And there are guys, coaches and players, it, it's easy to be happy for their success because of how they treated you. And in a tough time for him, that's the. Anytime I've seen the name Greg Williams the last 14 years, yeah, that's, that's what I think of first.
1: Man, That's a cool story. That really is. And, yeah, he was in his prime then because I was playing against him with the Bucks, and that Washington right. and Redskins football team at that time was the real deal on defense. They were a pain in the butt.
2: Yeah, they had a bunch um, of dudes back yeah, then. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. tough.
1: That's tough. That's life in the NFL. And who knows? Maybe he's glad he doesn't have to deal with the Jets the last six <laughs> or these years. Maybe he's happy. You, you you never know. You never know. It's a brutal sport. We do know that, but will we we also do know we will be back on Wednesday for the "What the Fuck Happened" podcast. Are you back in on Wednesday? You're as of, off? as of now, I'm not. Okay, I'm in zone. Right, I'm, 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 in zone. I'm at home, ready
2: to roll. Though, all right, so if, all right. Know, you the, never know. The, the situation presents. So be ready. Presents be ready. Might have to
1: call in the right hander, but that's it there for Chris go. Sims Unbuttoned, pre- presented by Verizon. Got it. I hope you enjoyed. We hit all the games. Hope you're happy with that. Keep sending in questions. We'll keep breaking stuff down. Hopefully, we can get to it here on these pods, and I'll answer them in real time. Everybody, be good. Paulie reminds good of to be the man. Peace out, everybody. Bye.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters